0: Hello, everybody. So my name is Aaron Stanley. Um, welcome. And uh, we're going to switch gears a little bit and do this in English. Um, I'm, I'm uh, obviously a gringo, but I speak Portuguese. I have a couple Portuguese panels later today as well. So uh, we're going to do this particular panel in English. Um, so I am a journalist. I've been covering uh, crypto for almost 10 years now in different forms. I've worked with Coindesk, worked with uh, some mainstream media publications uh, in the U.S., Uh, I now have uh, a publication called Brazil Crypto Report that is all about covering uh, kind of the the crypto industry here in Brazil uh, in English language. Um, So there's obviously a lot of things happening here, uh, as we've been talking about today. So my objective is to really try to communicate that to the rest of the world. Um, And uh, I also have a podcast and YouTube channel and some other areas where I distribute content. So... Um, So today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Henan Kruger, uh, who is representing Santander, Brazil. And we're going to be talking a bit about uh, Santander's uh, sort of uh, approach to the digital asset world. Um, We've got a lot of stuff to talk about here, so this is going to be a good conversation. Santander is obviously one of the largest banks in Brazil, one of the largest banks in the world. And uh, they've been quite active in the kind of the digital asset realm for for quite some time now. Both Santander Brazil and Santander uh, based out of Spain, right? The, the corporate head, headquarters. Um, so maybe to kick off, why don't you just tell us a bit about yourself and uh, what your
1: kind of your role is uh, at Santander? Thanks, Zara It's a pleasure to be here. Um, I, I started in crypto in, since uh, 2016 by looking into the technology, smart contracts, training teams here in Brazil. I founded a a blockchain tech company in Brazil called 1%, and I did some startups uh, on the tokenization side for carbon credits, which uh, I find this market for green assets amazing as well. And I think blockchain will enable it. For Brazil, it's a huge opportunity as well, um, and then I look at, into the markets, and I do believe crypto uh, into in regulated markets will be the next wave. So I joined the Santander team here in Brazil. I'm helping them to build the team and to training talents because it's a very huge problem that we have out, uh, around here in Brazil to find developers, to, to hire them, and to pay uh, what Silicon Valley pays them. So uh, my whole re- here in uh, in Santander Group is to build a team that is capable to work with this technology and build uh, real uh, scenarios for for tokenized assets in a, let's say, regulated environment.
0: Great. Thanks for the introduction. So. To get started here, why don't you just tell us, kind of from a high level, what, ha- what is, how would you describe Santander, Brazil's approach toward digital assets, cryptocurrencies, and then maybe we can we can drill down a bit into some of the more uh, specific projects that you guys have been working on, uh, particularly with the kind of the central bank and the Lyft Lab and the Digital Real ecosystem, um, but how would you kind of describe the bank's overall approach uh, to this emerging uh, industry asset class, uh, whatever you want to call it?
1: Yeah, first the bank uh, is studying a lot what is happening around the globe and is looking into crypto products and also uh, into the regulation that is happening in Brazil, uh, mostly on Real Digital and CVME. Uh, and we do think that the market will be hugely impacted by this technology in the sense of uh, efficiency will change mostly for us because we have headquarters, like you said, everywhere. So operations between countries will change a lot. And in Brazil, we have Pix, which is an amazing technology, but it doesn't replace what we are doing because we are talking about only one asset, which is real is being transferred. What about we add DVP and other assets in a blockchain technology, that aspect I think only blockchain can enable in Brazil, for example. I could pay another bank with another bond uh, if I want, transferring, let's say, real from one account to another, but the underlying asset that we are using is, a, is, a, is only real in PIX. What if we add another complexity? and add another layer of assets that can be changed as reserved from bank to bank. Uh, that, that, that kind of uh, solution I think we will see in the near future.
0: Great. And then l- let's dive into a bit more of these uh, use cases and, and your, your involvement in some of the more official uh, processes and initiatives that have been happening here. Uh, so Santander Brazil was a part of the Lift Lab Uh, which is a financial innovation accelerator run by the the Central Bank here and by FNASBAC uh, with at least this this most recent cohort that you were a part of. The objective was uh, coming up with innovative new use cases that could be deployed in the digital rail environment. Uh, And you guys actually came up with a really interesting use case involving uh, kind of the tokenization of car titles and property titles and the transference of these. So maybe why don't you tell us a bit about that particular use case. What what did you guys develop here?
1: Yeah, uh, we made a DVP for cars and real estate uh, on Lyft Lab. Uh, we found out several challenges that we will face in the near future uh, on the supply chain because we will need uh, every asset to be Interoperable, I would say, and let's say the train is responsible for uh, the car uh, his registration in Brazil. They will have to join us, uh, not only Santander, but the market, to create a solution where we can do that DVP. That's the the challenge that we face. Obviously, it's it's uh, so efficient from the, the model we have right now, uh, what the technology bring, brings to us uh, in the sense that what happens first, I pay you or you transfer uh, the car first. And, and that kind of risk we will not face in the blockchain technology environment because the DVP will occur. Uh, at the time that we pay the the car owner and the the ownership of the car is transferred. That's that's what we learned, and that will bring a lot of trust in some transactions that we cannot apply nowadays.
0: Yeah, and I think it's easy to, uh, the way you explained it was quite good in the sense that uh, it's easy to envision or visualize how this this uh use case could be applied to not just titles but like any other type of asset really where it's like okay am i you know am i you know thinking of almost like a like an otc you know transaction right where it's like okay do they send me uh the funds first do i send them the funds first or or like an online payment you know i buy something on mercado livre but i'm paying for it first but then I'm, i'm hoping that it shows up right i don't but being able to uh Basically, settle these transactions in a way where the, the payment only uh, is withdrawn when the, the, phys- the service or the product is actually actually changes hands, and that can be done kind of instantaneously in one single transaction. Like, it's pretty innovative, right? And it's it's I think that can. You, you can extrapolate that to like any transaction you do in your daily life, right? Not just, uh, I mean, the car titling is obviously a very good one because that's one that's maybe, um, you know, maybe it's a current pain point, right? But it's, it's easy to see how this could apply to like any area of life, right?
1: And, and, and that gets worse when we talk about intangible assets. Right. We need more transparency and trust on that side. I, I, I do think, for example, green assets, which is a, a social convention, like carbon credits, they are not evolving because we don't have the real transparency that we need in that market. Blockchain will enable that as well. So for Brazil, uh, for example, we have uh, a huge opportunity for intangible assets that cannot be traded Mm. the way we need uh, right now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think this whole world of these environmental assets... Um, you know, carbon credits and things of this nature is going to be, especially now that, at least in the U.S., coming starting next year, companies are going to have to provide more disclosures about you know types of carbon credits on their balance sheets and things of that nature. Um, this is going to become a market that is. Uh, uh, you know pr- providing the transparency into like okay, what is this carbon credit actually you know worth is it is the, is one carbon credit worth it? somebody uh, is a carbon credit issued by party a is valued the same as a carbon credit issued by carbon B or party B et cetera et cetera? Um, so uh, Santander Brazil was except one of the fourteen entities accepted into the uh, the pilot program digital rail pilot program that the uh, the banco central is is commencing this month um, I'd like you for you to sp- explain a bit about how this is, maybe what was like even the application process. I know it's pretty competitive to get into this. Uh, what was it like to get accepted into this program? And then now that you're in, what what will you be doing exactly?
1: Yeah, first, uh, I think Banco Central and regulators in Brazil are doing a great job because we are probably the first country that are looking into that technology and saying, look, we, we may have to regulate that space. And we, find, we found, the, the let's say, the right players to take care of the financial assets and the securities, which is CVM and Banco Central. So I think they, they are evolving their teams to work with this technology, which is also important. Uh, they are here in the market they are working together with us and uh, and for that uh, real digital pilot we will look at four assets. The CBDC which is interchangeable between banks not between consumer to consumer. Uh, The DVT which is Deposito Avista Tokenizado and for uh, other kind of payment institutions we will call it Moeda Eletrônica Tokenizada, which it was the reserve is one to one, and to test the 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 the, the, the DVP on this on this platform, we all buy federal bonds. That process, for example, is not very uh, accessible right now because uh, the systems you ha- we have nowadays are very limited. For example, they can do, I, I think, two TPS. So blockchain...
0: Two? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay.
1: That's, that's not a lot because it's not popular. Obviously, uh, what comes first? What comes first, the system or the, 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 the access to the asset? So I do believe this test will show us what we can do between those assets that we cannot do right now. For example, can we do a transfer between banks without transferring the reserve? Nowadays, no. Can we deal with blockchain using another asset? I don't know. Maybe those questions will be raised. And the, 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 the application for us, it was hard because we we had to prove that we, we had the, 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 the knowledge to participate in the in the in the Hell Digital Pilot. As we are with a global team inside Spain and building another one in Brazil, I think that was key to to, to enter the Hell the Digital Pilot. Well
0: I think Santander also has the advantage in the sense that um, the Santander the you know the European Santander has been experimenting with tokenizing uh bonds and debt and other types of assets for some time i think even dating back to like maybe 2018 or 2019 yeah um maybe how is that that maybe that uh, institutional knowledge uh maybe translating into the, the Brazil uh context here
1: we are uh always contacting the research team there because they are studying every aspect from from the technology for 5 years now and they have tested around France and uh, Germany. And what, what it brought to us is a knowledge about jurisdiction everywhere, for example. Germany is legalizing custody, is, is creating a, a legi- uh, regulation for custody. And for that, maybe in the future, we can use uh, some company in Germany. Mm. And that info that help, help us to build our products. And also, they are studying uh, edge technology like uh, uh, quantum computing, zero-knowledge proofs, and they uh, can show us or can teach us uh, here in Brazil how to deal with and uh, select the, the, the best protocols, select the best technology, select uh, what we are do- going to apply in Brazil operation.
0: Great. And with that, I'd like to uh, kind of segue into maybe a bit of a broader uh, question around just managing, um, you know, how do you promote innovation while obviously continuing to operate within like a heavy regulated uh, sector that requires lots of risk management and things like that. Um, and I, I think uh, this... Th- uh, Brazil is very interesting in the sense that a, a lot of the pressure. There's a lot of pressure being applied from the central bank to the, the traditional banking system to utilize and, and and maybe to utilize these experiment and experiment with these new technologies. And this is uh, maybe pressure that is maybe it's pressure, maybe it's an, an incentive, uh, maybe it's a it's a carrot and a stick. However you want to describe it. But I guess the question would be: To what extent is uh, the the central bank's uh, Forward-thinking, really helping institutions like yours to really immerse themselves in this technology, uh, perhaps more than more than it might you might otherwise be be like engaging with this these types of innovations. If that makes sense,
1: that helps a lot us because we have a very complex compliance and risk team globally, and for what is regulated, it is very clear for for us. We can we can apply in a let's say we can be very accurate on on the solution that we are proposing for our products. Uh, In gray areas, we may have to find some uh, idea or analogy for regulation in uh, another country. For example, that uncertainty that we have in SEC right now is what the banks... uh, Whenever Banco Central and CVM is not regulating assets or products, we have the same. So probably the decision will be no for the compliance team. When we have the Banco Central Central saying, look, we are going to test Real Digital, we are going to test uh, DVP between uh, federal bonds and uh, Real Tokenizado, for example, it's very clear. It's different, so it helps a lot.
0: And then, piggybacking off of that, um, what do you see as being the the big impact that this digital real ecosystem? Uh, and I'm speaking of digital real, not just in terms of uh, it's not just the CBDC. That's not just the actual currency itself, but this entire ecosystem of kind of tokenizing the financial system that the the, the central bank has been talking so much about. How do you see all of this really changing uh, the way that the, the Brazilian banking system operates, um, even 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 to the customer level, right, to the end user level, who may not even understand anything about blockchain or you know may not even understand what the digital rail even is? Uh, but how does this ultimately impact uh, you know all of the the different stakeholders in the uh, in the banking system here?
1: First, I think the relation between banks will be a little bit different uh, on this technology because, uh, as I said, uh, I don't think only reserves will be in uh, CBDCs or Reais. I think uh, other assets will be transferred uh, in the future. Uh, The relation between investors and, and assets right now are very limited in some space like the uh, ventures um, or brazilian bonds for companies are not very accessible for 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 the co- the consumer those types of investments will be more transparent and more accessible in my opinion in in, in the future and the last but not least, I think the impact, the real impact will be whenever we have a more, let's say, equalized or uh, regulation between countries. You can imagine that we have operations in Chile, Argentina, Spain, and every, everywhere, everywhere else. Some are big, some are uh, uh, some are not that that big but the relation between headquarters in countries for assets will be very different nowadays we use swift it takes five days or something that that impact is very different i don't think peaks will die peaks will continue because it's very fast but other complex applications involving not only real and other assets will happen, and that will be the use case for for blockchain technology.
0: And then, how do you see uh, Pix and the digital Rayal inter- system, the digital Rayal ecosystem here, interoperating? And this is a question that gets asked a lot, where if, like people are like, "Well, we already have Pix, so why do we need a digital rail? But how does how does how does that 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 stack sort of uh, come together?
1: Yeah, I believe it will. Every consume, consumer will have two kinds of accounts in, the, 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 in their bank app, like the digital account for tokenized assets, including real, and their traditional account. for some time. I, I, I don't believe Pix will die or the traditional account will die. We, we are talking about legacy systems that are in place since uh, the 80s. And then I don't think it will be replaced like that. I do believe we will have two worlds connecting together or talking together Uh, and one will be used for probably for more complex applications and complex assets and other will be used to transfer money for example. And every uh, investor in Brazil will have investments in the traditional banking or legacy system and in digital accounts in my opinion
0: great great and then with this this uh, and the, the question of financial inclusion right uh this is obviously one of the the narratives that you hear being uh being being advanced by blockchain cryptocurrency proponents and um just i would just like your thoughts on on this in this uh, in this kind of this more open um you know democratized uh, digital rail ecosystem uh, what do you see as the potential for this technology to really perhaps bring banking services or financial services to you know, under populations here in Brazil or perhaps uh, providing additional services that, that folks maybe already, they already have an account with like a new bank or something but they don't really have any other access to credit or other, uh, other types of um, more advanced products uh, but what do you see as the, as the potential here?
1: Yeah, that's a very complex situation. I, I don't think the technology will have a lot of, uh, on that side. It can it can enable, but it cannot change. Uh, I do think we need another type of products, uh, a different credit credit score system. We need microloans. We need uh, social initiatives in, inside favelas, for example, in Brazil. The technology can enable it, but in that side, I I really think we need to to change mindset. It's not about uh, only putting on blockchain some assets or some accounts, but it's the way the the financial system is structured right now that is is preventing some part of the population to have access to financial systems. Uh, And I do believe it will be a step towards uh, that access but we need to change the the, the way we work with our credit systems, our loan systems, our uh, social incentives to to, like if we use uh, uh, game theory like we use for Bitcoin which we know a lot uh, to create access. And, and even some initiatives like Acelo Blockchain, they have universal income. Uh, that will be what what can change the status and and together with Real Digital, we will see interoperability in these markets, in my opinion.
0: That's interesting. And I, I think that's a healthy, uh, that's a good response because I, it's a very honest response, right? Because I think a lot of times you hear, uh, even at conferences like this, people putting forward this um, this kind of financial inclusion, like blockchain as this financial, this like magic, uh, you know, it's like a, you wave a magic wand and all of a sudden everybody has access to financial services and it's just not really, like it's a piece of the puzzle, right? But there's a lot of other more structural factors that still need to be addressed, uh, like factors that you had mentioned that, that go into this. Um, I'm not entirely sure how much time we have left. I'm waiting for a a sign, but um, but we we have a couple more questions, I presume. Um, Maybe uh, maybe on this note of uh, of of kind of financial education, are there any initiatives that that Santander is undertaking to kind of educate customers or potential customers just about uh, about this you know some of these new functionalities that you're building or about maybe the digital asset ecosystem in general.
1: That's that's an important point that we are looking into creating, uh, let's say, crypto products or uh, tokenized products. We may have to establish a very efficient way to educate people that don't don't know what is Bitcoin, for example, or what is a tokenized asset, what that token represents in real. Sometimes it's the asset, sometimes it's a digital representation of the actual uh, asset on the traditional systems like CVM or B3. So that's an aspect that we are working a lot into education. And another point that we are working is not about the the consumer itself, uh, but... Uh, the the talent that we need to build this new economy. So in my area, for example, I have uh, tech courses that we are doing because we cannot find uh, developers that know, for example, Solidity. So we are teaching them how to build smart contracts, how this technology change the way you have to think about uh, technology architecture. You cannot do like you do a Java application on, on, on chain, on a public blockchain, or on a private blockchain. It's very, it, the, the mindset is very different. That's what we are working on, first, to educate the consumer, second, to create talent, to build our applications.
0: Yeah, if we could double click on the talent question really quick, uh, I'd be quite interested in hearing your, your thoughts on this. Um, you mentioned a few of the pain points, which is a there's there's maybe just not enough talent generally, and the talent that is here uh, that is good they that's you know you can't really pay them as much as somebody from Silicon Valley or or uh, especially during the bull market. I mean, if you're a solidity developer, that's that's, that's a pretty good. nice salary. Like, you know, uh, somebody will be lining up to hire you, right? Um, but how do you how do you maybe kind of reconcile this? Like, what's what type of maybe pipeline do you have to build to really create this uh, you know, an, a sufficient pool of talent? Or is it really a question of trying to onboard more like Web 2 developers into Web 3? Or is it really more just doing more engagement at places like USP here, trying to just sort of evangelize? Like say, hey, there's a lot of opportunity here. And we need people. And uh, what's your strategy here?
1: Yeah, the solution. I, I've been working on this since 2017, because we were the first teams in Brazil to to tokenize things, and and we had to teach every developer that uh, worked with us. So what I I believe is we may have to teach them not only into the language itself, but in the theories that were used to build Bitcoin, for example. Why we are talking about distributed systems? Why we are talking about game theory, incentivizing people to do the the good thing, not the bad thing? Uh, So a very good preparation for me, and we are creating a a roadmap. Every uh, people that engage in our team is going through it is to understand the history of a blockchain, how it works, why we are using cryptography like we are using, why we are going to look into privacy in the next years, why zero knowledge will be one of the major technologies that we may have to apply in a private sector like a central bank is looking into the, the real digital. So my strategy is uh, work on the business side of it, not only technology. For for example, for a node developer, it's very easy to learn solidity. But the concepts behind proof of work, proof of stake, uh, consensus mechanisms, and, and and other aspects are very difficult to understand. Uh, those are the aspects that we are focusing on.
0: Great. Um, we're about out of time here, but maybe to, to wrap up, I'd um, just like some final thoughts from you on maybe just what to expect out of Santander and, and just the maybe the Brazil digital asset ecosystem generally moving ahead here. And then how can folks uh, like get in touch with you if uh, if they want to connect?
1: Yeah. Thank you uh, for, for this conversation. Uh, I think we have... Uh, unique opportunity here in Brazil. Uh, we are front running all the other countries that are struggling to define the regulation. so we have a huge uh, opportunity to, to take part of this economy and export the, our findings, our good solutions, and learn uh, from our mistakes as well, because, for example, the Real Digital Pilot will be not in production so we can test. Uh, I do believe that in the near future uh, or next year, we will see a lot of assets and regulated assets being tokenized. And those kind of DeFi applications will be the next wave, Uh, but not only for crypto assets or not crypto native assets. For uh, regulated assets as well, and uh, for everyone that wants to connect w- with me, go on LinkedIn, Hannan uh, Krieger and just send a message, we can talk.
0: Amazing. Well, thanks so much, Hannan, for your time, and uh, thank you so much to the Digital Finance Brazil team for uh, hosting us here. and thanks everyone here for, for listening. Obrigado, everyone, and thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the Brazil Crypto Report newsletter on Substack if you haven't already. And please do give the show a five-star rating on your podcast app if you enjoyed this content. We'll be back soon with another great guest.